three, three, two, two, one. one. It's time for the show. Action. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences past and present of everyday people. And now, here's your host, the one and only, Asher, Asher Chua. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Just, uh, like I said, I'm on the night shift right now, so I'm in kind of an odd state of mind. The uh, past few days, it was just me driving back from work, mm-hmm. and I just, uh, like I said, I'm on a weird schedule, so at the end of the workday, I was extremely tired, so... Gotcha. Basically, I was driving home with uh, the air conditioning on really high and bla- bla- blasting music loud just so I can stay awake during the commute home. But that was yeah. a struggle. How long How long's your commute? It's a 40-minute ride from the boat back to my front door. Oh, gotcha. 45 minutes. But then again, I was driving slower, so it's closer to an hour when I'm... Okay. Because uh, I don't want to drive as quickly when I'm tired because right. slower reaction time and all that good stuff. So you said boat. Are you in the Navy? Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I didn't know that. I, I feel like this is actually us meeting for the first time. I, I just know you through Breathe University and like the so Chameleon you, Call. So are you on, are you, were you on, I feel like I remember you from the Chameleon Call. Were you on Game Changers as well or just Chameleon Call? Just the Chameleon Call. Like um, I joined back in 2016 and it's like I've slowly been getting back into like the swing of things because I, I stepped away for a little bit just to kind of um, like gather myself. Like I, I work in construction and it can get a little bit hectic there, but I mean, not military wise, but I, I know what you mean by like having to work the late shift hours. And especially if it's like you just work the day shift and then you have a little bit of time to like flip over that completely messes up your schedule because it takes at least like three days until you're like, oh, okay, like now I get this night shift thing. And they're like, oh, you got to switch back over. It's like, come on guys, give me a week or something. Like, yeah, let me, let me get some time to get used to it. I fully expect that my schedule is going to change. Like, well, next week or something. But it's, uh, I'm like I said, I'm getting used. Like the first night was bad just because like, after I got up or I I went to bed at eight mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning and then I woke up at noon and could not get back to sleep. Mm. And then so I got to invest in some blackout curtains. Yeah, yeah. So that I can jump on sleep. Amazon, man. Those those work pretty well. You want to get the blackout curtains and get you some. Uh, even while you wait, just put some aluminum foil on your windows because I'll keep the sun out. Aluminum foil on the windows. I never yeah. thought about that. You just put aluminum foil up and put um, tape because I had a few roommates that were on night shifts. So it's like it worked out because I work during the days, they work during the nights and like people are prancing about like during the daytime, like dogs, kids, whatever. And I would have never thought about people that work during the night shift and you're always wondering, oh, like, why is Waffle House open 24-7? Like, that's the only place you can get some food, like, if you didn't do any meal prep or something like that. So I I, I salute you simply for the fact of um, working that shift because, like, not a lot of people do it. And I guess people just don't understand, like, while other people are sleeping, like, somebody's got to keep the lights on. Oh yeah, yeah. That's one of the reasons why I joined a 24-hour gym, just for that reason. The fact that I was gonna have times where I wasn't, I was gonna have to work out at weird times, and so just mm-hmm. having gym time not be, or not having like you know the gym's operating hours not have to be, not have to be a factor when I consider right. the rest of my day. That that removed a lot of stress. So I can I could go there, you know. Uh, quite often I'm there like 4:30 in the morning, so I don't have to worry about that. So that's that's. Definitely nice. a, a plus. <laughs> That's good. 
So how how long you been in the uh, in the military? I've been in the Navy five years, as of like four days ago. My, my Navy birthday is October twenty first. So yeah, oh yeah, six days ago. Wow. Nice. Yeah, five years. Came in October twenty first, twenty fourteen. Okay. And, uh, been 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 doing it ever since. Got you. What what got you into the Navy? Um. So. The I guess, I guess you would call it. So I guess you do want the long end. Well, I'll give you like yeah, the modern. Yeah. No, I mean just whatever you want to give. Just like spell it out. All right. So the uh, after I so after graduating college, I wanted to work in uh, the nuclear field, mm-hmm. and like everyone and their second cousin. At first, I didn't <laughs> want to join the the navy, but everyone and their second cousin recommend. Hey, you ever thought about joining the navy? And I kind of you know the more I thought about it, the more. And like other options weren't really available, the more it kind of made sense. So I took the combination of it, the, the job being in the area that I wanted to work in mm-hmm. and everyone uh, suggesting it as a sign. So I ended up joining. And gotcha. uh, so, yeah, so when I first came in, you know, go through boot camp, which was like, I don't know, it was more so. Uh, boot camp wasn't really that difficult physically, but like it's more so a psychological thing. So like you're Camille, so as introverts, we get our energy from being uh, alone. It's not a thing in boot camp. So like I went mm-hmm. from I just like you know after I, after I have a long day and filled with people, I like to have time to myself to recharge my energy. But since you don't have that, like nobody right. came back to my room. I could be alone. And then I would I would have the time to recharge, but when I came back to my room in boot camp, I had 88 roommates, so uh, mm. I always had to be like a little bit guarded every single time because at any moment it could be told to do this, or someone who like higher up could come in and we all feel like be right. So it was always just a little bit, uh, always a little bit on edge. So I finally actually got was able to relax when I got out of boot camp and. Gotcha. After boot camp, that's, that was in Great Lakes, Illinois. We moved down. I moved down to Charleston, South Carolina. That's where the first couple phases of my training were. And mm-hmm. there, I only had one roommate as opposed to eighty, which was nice. And then for most, of, for, for much of it, I didn't have any roommates because, uh, like, the person who I originally moved in with, he moved out because he finished. He was further along in the pipeline than I was. So after he finished his training and all that, he moved out. I don't, I don't even remember his name, but he's, he's a pretty cool dude. And then, yeah. Uh, so yeah, then after. Oh, after the so the first few phases of the training were just really schooling, mm-hmm. this classroom your classic classroom style learning. Gotcha. And, uh, after it was it was more of a rapid pacing. You had to get used to doing the you had to get used to doing the homework or their specific way. Like the Navy, like they're big on attention to details. Like not only you can know how to do it because I because like being in college for engineering, like I had experience with a lot of the math and the principles they were concerned that they were doing, but it was being adjusted to the Navy's pace and the Navy style of doing things that I had to adjust mm-hmm. to. So like they had this thing. And one thing I will give the military credit for, for the Navy in this regard, a lot of times the punishment fits the crime. Like for a lot of things, like the main thing that we have to do pushups for everything. So like mm-hmm. one thing where if you got a problem wrong in your homework, you have to do this thing called her, uh, homework makeup. So mm. you would take the problem that you got wrong and you'd have to like write out the 4.0 solution like yeah. five different times for like, so like you make a mistake and so you have to do the right thing five different times. And then, right. or, or so for, uh, if you failed like a uniform inspection, they would have this thing called a fashion show. It's like where you come in three different times during a weekend wearing a particular uniform and then you get uniform inspection. So like a lot of times if you, if you have an issue, they do uh, provide a solution that does correct that issue. So right. that's, that's one thing that I do like. So, uh, so that was the first two phases were A school and power school. You said it's like an A or a B? Oh, A school and power school. So A school is basically where 
you kind of learn your job. So me, I'm a nuclear machinist, so I'm nuke. So they, they call us nukes. So everyone who works in nuclear power, they, they, they call us nukes. Yeah. And so I'm a nuke mechanic. And so the first phase is really just me learning about being a, a, a mechanic in the nuclear. And as far as my job in, in the nuke, you get like the basics, you know, how, how valves work, how they're built, uh, how the steam plant works in general, stuff like that. And then the, uh, and then for the, uh, power school that was the more you learn more about the reactor theory you learn like how reactors work you learn uh just basic drawings of the of, of the plant and how the neutrons respond and how what kind of fuel we're using stuff like that right and so that's where we get into like the i guess nuts and bolts of the nuclear power plant and so gotcha i really enjoyed what's up no no i'm i'm just saying i, I understand i'm i'm trying to like respond so that you know that I'm here, but at the same time, I'm trying to be quiet so that it doesn't interrupt your thoughts. Okay. If you have any questions, let me, let me know. But the, uh, all right. So the, uh, so yeah, the second or that next phase is power school, learning a lot more about the plant in general. And then the third phase is prototype where we actually got to actively work inside a nuclear power plant, got to actually see the control room. So like, it's actually, you know, we've all seen the Simpsons. It's actually like when I actually <laughs> knowing how, incredibly like sensitive those systems are like it's amazing that they put homer in charge of it and not only that by himself because in a right. nuclear control room you are not by yourself that is not how it works and it's right. really <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's actually a, a pain like people a lot of times people just get afraid of like because they just hear about series like chernobyl like the you yeah. learn a lot like the nuclear power is like absurdly safe like yeah, you would you would have there are so many like trips and interlocks and things in place to prevent to prevent like like a meltdown or whatever like there's so many things in place to prevent like you, you would have to be trying to like to, to break the plant in order to uh, actually cause some serious damage so i got to you know see all that around i got to uh, uh operate some stuff and so uh so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this so one of my first so during the so like I said, the first few phases of training were your classic classroom style of learning, right? After that was, like I said, prototype was where you're moving around. And so you do these things called checkouts. Basically, it's for qualifications. So you take like a system and then you go up to some one of the staff members, staff instructors, and you say, hey, I, I need to check out the case. And they would ask you a few questions about the system. Systems questions would be like, okay, well, you know, how does the system work? What's the system's major functions? Where stuff located in the plant? Stuff like that. And so you'd answer the questions and then so they would answer, you know, you'd answer some questions and if they decided if they decided you had a accurate knowledge or work or well enough working knowledge of the system, then they would, you know, sign your car and then scan it in. And so you continually just did that over and over again until eventually got to the point where you were you had all your calls complete and you're ready for your oral board. And so final oral boards, uh, you know, you're sitting you're standing in a room and you're talking to two people who know a lot more about the system than you do. And so they'll ask you these questions. And so then, okay, you it's like, okay, they'll say, hey, draw, draw the system. And so you, you know, Mark would draw the system up and they say, okay, let's say you're, you know, recruiting, they'll give you some plant parameters. Okay, you know, temperature is this, pressure is this, and then this happens. Well, what do you expect to happen next? Like, what casualty are you in? So mm -hmm. they're, they're, uh, they're going to ask you different things with regards to that. And then afterwards, you know, you leave and then you come back and then they tell you whether or not you, whether or not you passed. And so, my mm -hmm. first time through, actually, my first, uh, my first oral board, I did not pass. Fun fact, mm -hmm. not that actually. Uh, so I went through and they said, you know, all a lot of stuff was wrong. And so that was like really 
difficult for me my first time through. And so through that experience, I learned a lot of things about myself. I realized that during the time in prototype, I really neglected myself. I I spent pretty much all my waking hours at work trying to get qualified because they, they were continually pushing, you know, you got to get qualified, got to get qualified, I got to work on these, what are you getting, what are you doing as far as checkouts? And so I really, you know, I didn't spend any time really with my roommates or any friends. I didn't, I hadn't been to anything resembling church in weeks. I didn't really enjoy any of my old hobbies and stuff like that. So I was just kind of, kind of just existing just for one purpose, getting qualified. And because I ignored all the other aspects of my life, mm-hmm. I ended up being in a state of mind that was not conducive and not balanced. And so I ended up failing the first time through. Now, uh, after the first failure, there was like this two week period where I got ready for a reboard. So I, uh, spent more time there, but I was kind of more focused at, at this point. I was more focused on getting qualified because I knew what I neglected and I kind of had my life had more of a, it was it still, it wasn't as balanced as I was spending more time at work because I was on plus hours, but mm-hmm. I still, uh, I had a renewed, I had like more, more of a sense of purpose during this period of time. And so, right, right. I really assessed how I was learning or how I was taking in information and I chose the most optimal way. And so, uh, something that something that I'm sure like you've experienced yeah, before. I, I definitely <laughs> identify with that. When I was getting certain checkouts, like I would basically I would want I would want to study the system so well and get everything perfect, right? I would want to study mm-hmm. perfect before I went and ask for the checkout because subconsciously I guess I felt like I should know everything before I go, you know, talking to someone about it. Yeah. And this fear slowed me down. I was I was behind the curve because I wasn't getting enough checkouts. I mean, I was I was slow to call. I was like the absolute last person in my class to to finish getting qualified because mm-hmm. I took so long to get it because I wanted to get everything perfect before I went to go for the checkout. And so that really right. slowed me down. So that that yeah. just shows like if you look at my assessment, I'm like just super high C, very very low on D, and the D is like what your 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 risk. The low D means what? It means that you're risk averse. It means that you're not really down to just go for results and because it was so slow to go for results and you know slow methodical that slowed me down and so i ended up uh that's what ended up having me be behind the curve so like i said during the in-between period i got a lot of more work done i was able to just rather than trying to draw a system perfect for it i don't get everything perfectly i just mm-hmm. working drawing like does the system work okay right. cool then i can move on and then learn the next thing so after those two weeks i ended up passing my second board and I, you know, that was a huge relief. And that was just kind of the, the, the feeling that we've all had after we like pass the final or something like that, where you just leave the final, you're just like, wow, like, what is my life right now? Everything, <laughs> my entire existence was devoted to this. And so right. after that, I ended up, I got stationed down down here in uh, Jacksonville, effectively. And so I got to, uh, so I'm, I'm currently on, on a boat now, station on a submarine. And my, I guess from here, well, what do you know? What do you want to know? Like, what's what's like being on the boat, or? Sure, let's let's go there. All right. So my class is submarine. We're called boomers, which is like we have a lot of large weapons on board, and mm-hmm. we uh, so we, we don't we don't go out for too long. You know, we don't have extremely long de- deployments, but we mm-hmm. go out where we go out, we submerge, and we don't really service un- again until it's time to go back. Right. And so when you're out at sea, a lot of times it can be a little unnerving just because, I mean, there's no sun, so it doesn't really mess with your biological clock. You kind of just learn. So it's not really, we don't really think so. I guess we can, we do think in terms of times, but really 
as far as our biological clock is concerned, with like three different phases. So, eight-hour watch. Everyone, everyone stands in eight-hour watches, and so yeah. learn. So you're either on watch, off going, or oncoming. So okay. you're either like standing watch, or you're in your time after your watch, but you're not yet sleeping, and then your oncoming time that's you're sleeping, and so. That's when, you know, a couple, like, like 20 minutes before your watch, someone will, like, they'll send people to come wake you up or you request, and then not to the wake up. And so just the mindset while you're out at sea, like, it can be just because you get stuck in even people, you know, we get, we do the same routine every single day. And right. so it can be a little unnerving because a lot of people, they, you know, they, they miss their, they, they miss their families and they miss mm-hmm. certain things. And I just, I just miss fresh air, to be honest, when I was out right. there, like, being fresh it was like a joke that all we do out there is like we're just breathing in recycled farts <laughs> because when you fart on a submarine like it's not going to go anywhere right <laughs> and then but like and we do like you know i would have never i would have never thought about that but that's a good point i'm glad you I mean, brought that up the air like recirculated when we like go like near the surface to gotcha. but for a lot of times we're just breathing in recycled farts and so but uh and like i heard some things like something like you're when you get a paper cut it doesn't heal as quickly because you're you're not receiving fresh air it's so, like your, your cuts heal slower when you're down there stuff like that and mm. so like i said and Everyone's heard of like just being in close quarters with like that many people for a long period of time, especially as an introvert. That yeah. can be a little nervous for long periods of time. That can be slowly unnerving. But yeah, uh, one thing that I do love about a submarine as opposed to being on an aircraft carrier is that there's there's way less people. Like there's, there's way like aircraft carrier. There's they're much bigger. But with a submarine, it's a lot. It's it's a lot. Uh, it's a, it's a lot fewer people. And even though there's you know it's the close spaces, but you learn you you know everyone. You learn everyone's name. Like I'll. Yeah. I'll I'll see my captain. I'll say like good morning, sir. Like good morning, pay officer. Just like he knows me, he knows my name, and then so that's something that I genuinely appreciate being able just to see people not have to straighten up because on the surface they have to, surface fleet they have to do things like like care about like how shiny your shoes are and like that's yeah I, right. I that's, don't when I think military, that's exactly what I think of. Like you go uh, boot camp, and then afterwards, like you've got to keep up like your standard, make your bed neat every single day. Like shoes got to be shined, like suit and everything. Like uniforms got to be tight. For certain branches, they care more so about this, especially on the service fleet. They care about that because they're constantly, it's uh, like like submarines. We don't really care about that as much. We like I I have yet to hear about an incident report where like you know a reactor plant casualty happened because someone's shoes weren't shined. That was not a thing. <laughs> like, you know. And then to Smith failed to, um, he, he, or like a, a joke that we make is like, oh, if you have your hands in your pockets, then that'll cause like a, a, a flooding or like, yeah. it, it, like it, it's never gotcha. been a case where like someone's shoes weren't shine and then a fire happened. That, that, that right, right. Gotcha. So, but that, uh, that, that makes sense because like you mentioned before, you're concerned with nuclear power and nuclear activity and like a lot of people don't understand that and i think you did a great job earlier explaining like the rigorous processes that you go through in order to just like be allowed to have access to like be around the operations because some people just hear nuclear power and they think about the dangers but like already knowing that you're being trusted with this information and this is what's being required of you it's like okay, your shoes aren't shine. Like I'm more worried about this working. If this doesn't work, like your shoes aren't going to matter. I, I wish I could explain to you like how much in order to have the public's trust, we like, but I don't want the train that we go through, but like there's so many procedures in place 
for like taking care, holding, like taking care of n- n- nuclear materials. Like it's like it's yeah. so painstaking the amount of things that we have to go through because right. just, just to handle nuclear material. Like, and, and I can I can only imagine it because I'm I've only been on the construction side and just to get like the background clearance to get on site to be able to be like okay. All we're doing is we're setting up, we're building this plant up in order for them to bring the nuclear material in and to do the operation side of things. So like we've probably, I don't know, from the time that I worked there like three and a half years and then working at a fabrication plant beforehand to send the material to the construction site, it was like procedures upon procedures and revision upon revision. And you're talking about building a prototype versus like everything else that's been in the U.S. 30, 50, 30 to 40 years before now, like before Chernobyl and all that stuff went down. And I think that's the main reason why a lot of things haven't been built for so long. But people also don't realize that most of our power comes from nuclear power, like wind power, solar power, that stuff is good, but everything has its drawbacks, but nuclear power has, I don't, I mean, I don't mean to sound like a cheerleader, but it's like when you know something, it's good to educate people. And um, just like the drastic, uh, just the gap in how much power, I'm just doing this to give people a visual for anybody that's looking, but like, just the gap of what you get from a coal plant versus like a nuclear plant versus wind, solar, um, whatever else energy is out there. It's like the reason you're able to use a phone, the reason we have satellites up in the sky, like every time you flip on your light switch, however many times you want to do it, like that comes from somewhere. And you have people like yourself that are trusted and you're trained to do this every single day. It's not Homer at the control panels just doing whatever he wants to do. Absolutely not Homer. Like I said, Homer is not by himself and he is <laughs> not doing, we don't have somebody in there going eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Like we have, right, right. We have three people in there. Well, actually four. And it's like, there's tons of different supervision. Like every single time, like there's, you know, the officer in the back, they say like every single time someone's about to do anything, they'll say, mm-hmm. say like, you know, shifting this pump and then officers say shift, shift pump by and then they'll shift the pump, pump, pump yeah. the shift, pump the shift to that. Like there's tons of like random repeat packs and like updating. Right. right. Uh, updating a big, like a big thing is in nuclear is communication or at least three-way communication where it's like, I say something to you, you repeat back to me what I said. And then um, you have to confirm that the mess like message received like there has to be an agreement and like what's communicated to where it's like there's no we want no room for error because the yeah. second there's room for error that's distrust from the public we want to remove any ambiguity like legit there's there's like i said the procedures that we have in place are like absolutely like very very strange like say if you know there, there's, there's a value that needs to be operated like that has to do with, with the primary plant. Mm-hmm. There has to be a supervisor over, like he'll, he'll say, Richardson, he's over here to help open these valves because yeah. he can do it himself because he's in, in a more of a supervisory role. So right, right. I'm operating the valve. He's receives an order from, from maneuverings where everyone's like, that's where the, the main controlling parts for us. And Rex mm-hmm. going like, they'll say, they'll say like, you know, chief, uh, uh, you know, shut, shut valve one. And then he'll say, shut valve one eye. And they'll say, Richardson, shut, shut valve one. And yeah. I'll say, I'll look at a point of valve one, I'll say valve one shutting, and then I'll, sh- I'll shut the valve. So, like, they have, 
specific things in place to have make sure that the procedures are are followed so that we right. have can continue to operate and have the public's trust. And then what was the one thing that I was going to mention? Just oh yeah, with the whole everyone a lot of times they hear nuclear power once again they're scared of radiation. Like mm-hmm. like when I'm out at sea, like the people like everyone else like everyone else in surface. Like every, all the all the civilians, like you guys receive more radiation than, than I do. Like you receive mm-hmm. being out in the sun, you receive more radiation than I do. It's like mm-hmm. out at sea, we have a bunch of shielding in place, a bunch of shielding in place, and we have like like I said, policies to to minimize our time and all that when we're around the radiation. And right. we even have this little counter that we keep on us at all times. Yeah. The only time you don't you know where it is when you're showering, but you have this like thing on you. It, it measure measure how much radiation you're getting and is that the dosimeter? The, the, the dosimeter, yes, yeah. TLD, gotcha. Okay. TLDs. and we uh, so yeah, we we have it, and then everyone at the end of it, like we turn it in, and then then they count them afterwards, and it's usually next to nothing. Gotcha. But the uh, so that's it as far as the. Like I said, there's a, there's a bunch yeah. of other different things they could bring up about just being out at sea in general. But is there any like any like specific gotcha. themes you want to go for right now? So I, I, go, so I mean, yeah. like what one of the uh, one of the main questions I've been asking is this: um, just to speak to you, the person personally, as like with Gerald, I ask this: Who do you say you are? Who do I say I am? Um, so uh, mm, it's, it's an interesting question. So I. Uh, I guess I'm a person that I want to help people to, because I'm I'm in speaking as well. So I want to help people to specifically sailors to achieve their like the best versions of themselves. That that's what my goal in life is. Just because of being out at sea, being in the military, I've seen how people, and especially especially people in the military, can can kind of get this sense of uh, just not really being our own person. We can kind of like dissociate from the world and not really have any purposes or ambitions like like the per- perfect example i could ask someone on the boat like what do you do if if there's a fire what do you do if there's a flooding and they'll right. be able to rattle off you know a bunch of different things they'll know okay i'm gonna know i'm gonna show up here i know that i'm gonna be holding this extinguisher i expect yeah. this announcement to be made they'll know all these things about the procedure with regards to answering for a fire flooding but yeah. I can ask the exact same person, hey, where do you see yourself in five years? And they'll be like, yeah, like uh, you know, maybe I'll stay <laughs> in, maybe I'll leave, maybe I'll start a business, maybe I'll go back to school. We yeah. know a ton when it comes to like our work, but as far as our lives are concerned, we don't we don't really have an idea in that. And the reason for that is because, you know, procedures, casualty response, all this stuff has been dr- drilled into us. And so, mm-hmm. uh, but as far as our own lives are concerned, that stuff isn't as really, it isn't stressed as much. And so, you have a lot of people who don't really have any goals or ambitions. They might claim to have some ideas, but we're not really yeah. we're not actively acting on those ideas. And so if you have people who aren't, who have made a bunch of ideas, but they're not actively acting on them, and they kind of just feel like they're being controlled because they have someone telling them when they, where they have to show up, what they have to be wearing, mm-hmm. when, uh, uh, what to do when you get there, we kind of lose our sense of freedom. And so, we kind of just like give up on our own ambitions that, that we may have. And so this causes a lot of stress. And so that's kind of why, I, that's what I want. That's my mission as far as what I want to do with my career is just lower the stress of sales. Because as soon as we like get focused, as soon as we have a specific end, end goal in mind, 
yeah. as far as our lives, then things begin to take shape. We can be, then begin to structure our day according. And people gotcha. are end up being a lot more enjoyable to be around. Because there's like a ton of people in the military who like they're kind of just dissociated from their jobs, not mm-hmm. really caring, just kind of clocking in, clocking out, just doing their routine, just yeah. standing watch the exact same way because they don't really don't really care that much. We hear it a ton about people saying, you know, I don't get paid enough to care about that or you know, <laughs> like which is kind of sad, but it it's that's the reality of it. Yeah, like we do still like we do our jobs, but a lot of times people we just keep up with it like just enough to like people just like do like I think I've read it in the book several times. Just like people like to end up being just enough and employed, like they do everything just good enough, and so yeah. While just good enough may you know keep everyone safe and keep the boat moving and stuff like that, just good enough isn't going to do much for our sense of, sense of self worth and well being. Right. Over time, slowly erodes at us, and then that ends up manifesting itself in some pretty disturbing ways later on. So that's that's one and, thing that helps get in the way of. Gotcha. I believe that if everyone had a sense of purpose and like what they and something that they wanted to accomplish, we'd be mm-hmm. a lot more enthusiastic about our jobs, and we would spend our time on the boat when we're out at sea talking about like you know our goals and our ambitions, and different strategies to get there, as opposed right. to what we normally talk about, which is stuff like oh, what do you do when you get back, or, right. or like naming uh, movies, or having very irrelevant conversations, often inappropriate conversations about different things. So it's mm-hmm. like just these nonsensical conversations, rather than. Uh, Things that really matter. Like once, I remember I was at a sea and I, and I walked into a legit conversation that people were having about religion, and they were like going back and forth, like respectful, listening to each other's opinions, giving their own stuff. And I was like really impressed because you do not walk across that very often. Like you'll right. quite often you'll walk upon a conversation where someone's arguing, "Oh yeah, you're wrong because of this," and you know, now we're listening to it. But like I said, right. cool have a mission in life you become more respectful of others than their opinions whereas if you're kind of just bored and angry with life you're just going to be more animalistic in terms of your approach so yeah that's the that's it is that is an exceedingly long way what is a way of saying that that's that's what i want i want to help to improve the culture of the military through limiting stress that in, that will that usually results from lack of purpose and direction in life i think that that's a great goal and I, like what you mentioned I, I feel like i'm seeing it more and more because like the group that we're in, Breathe University, and especially like the a niche part of it being on the chameleon call, which is part of like the DISC assessment, where you look at like the four personality traits, where you have the D, I, S, C, and the chameleons are like the S personality, which is like people that are supportive and that have a certain pacing preference. And a lot of times like people that are of that, that, uh, what's the word? People that are wired in that way they usually conform to procedures more quickly because it's like you want to improve the world you want to make things kind of go along for the best but to your point unless you have a purpose for yourself outside of like the job that you have or better yet even like the work that you do because that's something that i heard somebody say there's a difference between your job and your work like you can be fired from your job but your work nobody Mm -hmm. can take from you and like having something like that's what this is for me like this is kind of like my work where i'm able to facilitate conversations between me and somebody else where they have a chance to speak their mind without being um edited or just like oh say this don't say that do this don't do that it's like no just 
say what you have to say if you have to say it in long form. That's why we have this. If we want to cut it up later and just be like, okay, here's a short story about what nuclear engineering is. Here's a story about what it means to have a purpose in your life. I think there's value in that because just yesterday I went to Walmart and I'm walking through and I just see like different people are in different stages of their lives. But I think when you have exposure to like valuable information that helps push you forward, you kind of have a different outlook and perspective on life. So where it may be raining, usually earlier this year when it was raining, I was just like, just kind of get in this depressive state. And a lot of times some people make it feel like, oh, it's okay to be there. Like you start complaining, you start grumbling, like you start taking on that energy and everything, it, it like it just covers you like a wet blanket. And before, it's like you wouldn't want to be covered by a wet blanket. But since it's becoming more and more normalized, like you're just like, oh, okay, well they're doing it. Why don't I just do that? And it's like, no, like you you don't you don't. That's a slippery slope. Like as soon as you go down that way, like you'll find yourself laying in bed with the lights off weeks at a time, or you'll find yourself missing work for months at a time and wondering like, how in the world did I get here? And it all started from like you letting in little things, you not taking care of your well-being, like you not eating regularly, sleeping normally. It's like, hey, even if your schedule is out of whack, like if you can carve in 45 minutes in the day to take a nap or just like shut down or shut out certain things that gives you control over your life. But if you're letting somebody run your life or tell you like, you have to do this, you have to do that. Like some parts of it are true. If you signed up for a job, there are parts of the job that you have to do. But if you're working at a certain job and you feel that that's the only job you can have, I think you're kind of telling yourself a lie or maybe nobody's ever told you that. You don't have to be stuck at Walmart, Waffle House, um, Wendy's, like wherever it is that you work. It's like you you do what you can with what you have. And I mean, hopefully somebody comes along and helps you. And usually that's the case. Like when you're moving, like from the time that I started this podcast, I launched it. Like I started recording in August and like picked up speed in September and actually put out the first one October 1st just to have like a consistent day. And from the time that I I got better with like putting stuff out, being consistent, posting online, like using social media, going back to like the uh, calls that they have on Wednesday and say, okay, like, how do I do this? Like I ask the question, I get an answer back. It's like, okay, now I go and implement it. The more that I'm doing that, somebody, uh, I asked for help with editing. I got help editing. And I think not this week, but the following week, like we already made a plan to say, okay, I'll send you four episodes. We'll chop it up, look at it the Friday before. And then we kind of have a dialogue. So I'm like, okay, like I don't have to panic about putting that out at the last second. But I think I also went on a long tangent there. But I think just the fact that you've identified that, wanting to make purpose within the military more of a thing and kind of shift the culture a little bit. I think that's really important because it speaks personally to yourself where you've seen you kind of lose your way and getting caught up on a test, which although while it's important, it's not more important than you, your your person, your personality. The first thing you said, I want to kind of almost how you said like they made kind of like depression being the normal. So I wanted to assess that yeah. And then the second thing that you, or something else that you said is closer to the end. About, like about um, purpose or, or people like not knowing the difference between their job and. If you don't watch what you're taking in, mm-hmm. then you're slowly just become slide into a negative state. And that's a huge thing I see, especially in the military. 
Like mm. if I go around and I talk, I ask people how they're doing. Like if I ask, say, if I say how are you doing, I'm gonna hear one of three responses. I'm gonna hear I'm um, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm here. Or yeah. or a very sarcastic. Oh, I'm living the dream or living somewhere. <laughs> there like that's, that's that's code for like I, I really hate life right now and right like what's crazy is that when someone's in a good mood they're like oh what do you what are you so happy about it's like oh yeah. i'm doing great today oh wow that's like because we've normalized being miserable when someone's in a good mood then that's probably in the question like that's that seems like whoa like what's, what's this person on like why why do they feel so good why, why right and so it scares people whenever they hear someone that's actually in, in a good mood. They must be some. Uh, one of the things I despise hearing is that people saying, "Oh, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a I'm a realist." Like believing mm-hmm. that pessimism is realism. I think would technically still be pessimism. Like yeah, just the idea that you you believe that you know things are going to be. You could believe that things are going to be negative. Like that's you're kind of just thinking it in, in, into existence. Like if you're constantly looking for something that's going, that's going to be wrong, yeah. you're going to be like, you're, you're going to find things that, that, that are wrong. But like, even if it's wrong, like does that thought serve you? Does thinking right. that, in, in the case of like building like, oh, that's, that's like a perfect thing. I should turn this into like a course or something. Like, so this, yeah, this, is, yeah. this is like a little sneak peek for, for people. Like, so there's a certain situation in which it pays to uh, be pessimistic like when, when we're building a reactive plan because the reason one of the reasons why we have all these procedures and contingencies in place is because things could go wrong so when they right. were designing the plan they said okay well, what, what could go wrong here okay yeah. well, this is, okay what could go wrong there okay we'll add that switch there like right. they continually were pessimistic in that sense and that they always that they can <clears throat> continuously look for things that could possibly go wrong but right. they, they had a reason for doing so. The reason for that was so that they could build a system that could keep the public safe. Right. Me complaining about, you know, uh, the fact that I have work today or the fact that my schedule got moved, that doesn't solve anything. It doesn't move my schedule back. It doesn't yeah. it, it doesn't solve anything. It really is just me complaining. Now, what we've done is a lot of times, like I said, because we've normalized being miserable, when mm-hmm. someone complains, like everyone just jumps on in, like, oh, man, you're right. Yeah, this sucks. Yeah. Oh, and I like it's like misery loves company. Yeah, misery loves company, and so that kind of that slowly puts a lot of times. If someone complains, I'll just like look at them because I don't want to. I don't want to nod. I don't want to smile. I don't want to join in because if you decide to be miserable, I I have not conceded to be part of that decision. Like, I do not want to also be miserable, so mm-hmm. I don't want to join in on that because that's that that is that is just draining. Like oh, yeah. and taking in that information and being around negative people. Yeah, that's that that drains your mind because it's just exhausting having to deal with that negative energy. And right. we've all like experienced the the part where like we like someone's called us, someone who we don't want to talk to because of their negative energy, and we just stare at the phone, right? Mm-hmm. We just stare. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not picking this up. No, well, why do we do that? Well, we don't pick up because we don't want to talk to them, but we mm-hmm. also decline because we know that if we decline they're going to know that we decline and therefore well, it's going to be another thing that to deal with later so we're just extremely passive about it because we want to have the minimum amount of interaction possible because, say it's hey, not so say it's not so okay we, we all we've all done it before it's like yeah, we, don't, <laughs> we don't want to deal with with that so and that's that's the exact same thing like i can't the reason why some people are miserable is because they go into work an environment where being miserable is normalized where yeah. there are constantly people complaining all of the time yeah all yeah. Of the time. 
something. Like you will not go into work without hearing somebody complain about something. Yeah. And that just wears down. Just makes the environment a lot more harsh to be in. Like there's right. I've never something I was thinking about the other day when I was at work. I've never gone out to a like a volunteer thing for church and had everybody be miserable there. It's like, mm-hmm. oh man, I can't believe we got to hang out these clothes. Can't believe we got to hang out these homeless people like him. But no, everyone there was always super hyped. It's like, all right, man, we're gonna go there. We're gonna get out there. We're gonna yeah. serve awesome. We're out there. We're laughing. We're making jokes. We're saying, oh, I think this will look good on you. Like we're we're in super good mood. But mm-hmm. at work, everyone just like, yeah. gotta go to work. It's Monday, man. Ugh. Uh, got, a, got a case of the Monday. It's like, oh well, today's gonna like this, like legit. Okay, here's here's what happened. Like, I had this conversation tonight, and there was someone at my work who had like they were basically upset because they got there was there was supposed to be their day off, but mm-hmm. everyone got that day off. Like, so the person right. they planned for Sunday, they could yeah. still they, they could still follow through with those plans that they had, but they were upset because everyone else got that same day off as well. So their day off had less meaning because everyone else had. So just mm. you get a day off, you get, to, you get to do whatever you plan on doing, but you're still miserable just because of this unrelated reason. Like you could have yeah. just not told you everyone else had off and then you right. know, but so yeah. That's, but I mean, it's like they attached their, like their day off, they had a certain value to that. And then they yeah. attach a part of their value of having their day off to, oh, everybody else gets a day off. It's like, this was supposed to be my day. And it's like, just because other people got off, that doesn't change your day. Like you, and I think you guys touched on this before when you talk about boundaries, where it's like, you really have to separate yourself from other people where you understand, like, you start at your skin, like you start and you stop at your skin. And then other times, like that's the most basic boundary. And then there's other things that you have to put in place, like emotionally, physically distance and things like that, where it's um, like, this is me, that's Gerald, like, and let's not confuse the two. But to your point, like people just kind of get caught up in this, like this storm or this twister that comes around. It's like, oh, like negative thinking. And it's, it's this, but Um, One thing I wanted to kind of touch on, I don't know if it'd be a question, but I think, like you said, there's there's a place and a time for like pessimism or there's a place and time for like negativity. When you're trying to create something to solve a problem, you have to attack the ways in which that works. But other times it's like um, people that are positive a lot of times may get a bad rep to like, oh, like what's so great about today? It's like, oh, it's a great day. Like, oh, what's great about it? Like, it's like, okay, but... Other times you have people that may just be focused on always being positive, but they don't have like, they don't have a sense of awareness to look at things objectively to say, okay, this is bad, but I'm going to do something anyways. And I think sometimes people want that explanation, but it's like, hey, it's not really my job to explain to you every single thing I'm doing in my life. It's just, if I choose to be happy, I choose to be happy. I have my personal reasons for doing that. And if you want to know, absolutely, let's sit down and have a conversation one-on-one versus like, I've got to stand up on a podium and say, hey, everybody, hey, world, this is why I'm happy. This is what's going on. Like, does that resonate with you? Or what do you what do you make of that? So when you mentioned uh, like about people who just say that they're happy all the time without really having a without really knowing why i have i had have heard of this term called toxic positivity of called someone <laughs> being positive all the time and i have a, it was like a friend of mine she she talked about it and i can't really dive that deep into it because I, I haven't looked into it as much as i have but it's just the idea of like like you can admit when things are wrong like to just to, to just to deny and bury feelings you couldn't right. have negative feelings but like 
is what you choose to do with that information. You can choose to dwell on them, which a lot of people tend to do, or you mm-hmm. can acknowledge like so. Being positive does not mean dis does not mean like you know blind blinding yourself to what is wrong. Like they're right. really what's wrong, but it just means viewing it in terms of in terms of the long term. Like well, what does this do? Perfect, perfect mm-hmm. example. So I mentioned earlier about how my first time through the pipeline, I failed that final oral board, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Once again, going back to that other earlier discussion about how the Navy, what the Navy does is like they fit the punishment to the crime. So because I failed that board, it took the system that I like, that I really messed up on and I did poorly on, and I had to draw that system a lot of times. I had to draw that system, like through that system during those two weeks, I like four, like had to draw the system like for someone else. So I had to draw it no less than 10 times, like and 10 times, like for someone. And then also like, I don't know how many times, like by myself practicing it. So I had to draw that system a lot of times mm-hmm. you know, like, at the time. It felt miserable. I didn't enjoy it, but I just still continue to draw that system. Well, a few years later, I remember I got asked a question about that same system. So yeah, okay, so you're going to qualify this and I have to do all the system. I said, oh, okay, bet. Like I knew exactly, because I had that earlier failure, yeah. I knew how to draw that system perfectly. And now like whenever I get asked a question about that system or like somebody comes to me for a checkout on, on that system, I'm like, yo, make sure you ask me because I know a lot about the system because I had to draw it several times. Mm-hmm. I had to draw it several times. I had to talk about it a lot. So I know a lot about the system. And that's kind of like taking a poor experience, me failing that system for the oral board and kind of looking at it so long term. Okay, like, you know, I went through this failure. Okay, it sucks. Okay, it's a negative feeling. What can I, what can I develop from this? Okay, right. well, now I can, now I'm in a position because, because I failed it. I can learn a, a lot more. I think we've all heard E talk about that. It's like, oh, like, you know, I went through this, so I can turn this into a book. Well, I yeah. can turn this into a video course, so I can turn this into a speech. Like, rather than just dwelling on the, the moment of how miserable you are, yeah, looking long term and seeing how can I use this as a teaching moment so mm-hmm. that I can help other people. That can that does wonders to improve your sense of optimism because you're you're slowly seeing that like negative things are just problems that you can solve. And right. you, can solve you you can then help other people solve that same problem. That, exactly. That that's a that's a great point. And um, one question I would ask you as a follow up to that: um, what what changed for you or like how did you make that shift to say like okay like i'm beating myself up like i didn't make this test like crap but why am i doing this a hundred times like oh geez like like what took you from like the negative where you focused on the problem to where you saw the problem as a solution like when somebody presented it to you again as like oh like i don't know what to like how to do this and then for some reason you think oh i i've done this like i can help you versus like Oh yeah, it sucks. It sucks to suck, man. Good luck. Like, how did that mindset kind of shift for you, or how did you go from failing the test to um, having to redo it, like retrain yourself over drawing that system to um, seeing the positive out of that lesson, and then taking it to teach to somebody else that needed help with the same thing that you struggled with. So, uh, like I said, after I failed the exam or the failed the failed the board, like I said, there was a two week period in which I continually studied those different systems that I did poorly on and then worked okay. on and then I ended up passing the second time. And so I was like, okay, at first I was like, okay, that was a relief mm-hmm. that, 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 that sucked, what, what, whatever, but now, now it's over. Mm-hmm. And like I said, those few years later, uh, actually maybe, maybe a year and a half when I had to draw the system again, like just being told that I had to draw it again, like 
I kind of shifted back into that mode of, okay, this is happening. What can I do? And because during that two-week period where I was absolutely focused on, on that goal, hearing that I had to draw a system again, I got into, I shifted into the mindset of, okay, like this is a challenge and I have to overcome this. So, and when I was like drawing, I'm like, oh, like I started to get back into the groove and because I was, you know, kind of enjoying drawing system now because I knew so much about it. Then I said, oh man, this is actually enjoyable for me. And then I realized that there are still people that don't know how to draw that system as well. So mm-hmm. I can have like me, someone who I, who I believe like in terms of like my natural gifts. I think one of my natural gifts was teaching. Like I enjoy taking complex issues mm-hmm. and like breaking them down and so that people can understand those things. So I I got a system that I had previously because I had been on both sides of it. I had been on the side of not knowing how, how the system works and mm-hmm. the side of knowing how the system works. And I have the ability to like bridge the gap. So I was like, okay, you know, here's a problem people have. Here's something that I've experienced that can help me that is putting on the other side. I can help bridge the gap and give that people that same feeling of, you know, accomplishment of getting over to, to that other side. And so, because I, especially being as chameleons, we love helping, we love supporting people. So I think we might have a slight bias in our favor of like, or not bias, like slight advantage of, because we're naturally inclined to help support people, we're always kind of looking for ways that we can help support our friends. And so right. that's something that I want to, like I said, okay, I can use this experience. Once I got out of my own head, once I stopped being selfish yeah. and like saying, what was me? Like just focusing so, and that, that's what gets a lot of people. That's what like, yeah. if we focus solely on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We don't see the bigger picture. And if we don't see the bigger picture, then we're just going to, sit in, in in action not really doing anything right so that's kind of one thing that really pushes me like in terms of, in terms of everyone with their with their gift like yeah. there's, there's one thing that kind of has been pushing me like there's someone out there who needs your gift like there's someone out there who needs that book that you want to write or that course that you're going to that you're going to shoot and so yeah. by you delaying that then someone else is going to have whatever solution they need to delay. And this could be yeah. very costly. But like, and, like, I'm so glad that like E didn't delay, like, you know, starting like be you and all that. He right. Like, right. Oh, or, or I don't it, feel like yeah. and, it seems like it was timely because I think he started, they started it in uh, 2013. And I guess that every now and then I've got to be reminded not to use acronyms, but um, whenever we say E it's Eric Thomas for anyone listening and um, I think he started Breathe University in 2013. And I think literally that's the year that I came across his When You Want to Succeed As Bad As You Want to Breathe video because I was struggling working a, a, tech, a technician job while I'm going to engineering school. And I'm sitting here doing temp work, which no knock against temp work. It's just like um, working on call and then going back to college where it's like one of the top universities or whatnot in the country. And you have people talking about, oh, yeah, I'm just sitting out here hanging out, got my feet up on the desk, air conditioned, and uh, I'm making like 25 bucks an hour, like for a college student. Dude, that's great. Like you basically do that for 40 hours for a couple months, like over the summer even, and you've got tuition paid for it for a good bit. And I'm sitting here feeling down on myself that I'm only making $11 an hour. And of course, I get per diem. I was just excited to make money because before I kind of worked for free doing landscaping and then I worked at a coffee shop for a few years. So I was like, hey, you went from making nothing <laughs> to making like maybe $6 an hour to eight. Now you're making 11. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm really doing it. And then I get per diem and they get to put me up in a hotel. But then I see this person over here like, oh, I don't even have to do that much work. I just uh, I just chill. Like maybe they have me draw something, but it's pretty basic. There's nothing to it. And I'm over here like crawling on my hands and knees getting into um, tanks, like storage tanks, going, like crawling on top of dryer um, 
what do they call them? Dryer cans that they use at paper plants and like scanning bolts and like running, running a crawler system across it. And I'm like, I must be like the dumbest engineer out here. Everybody else, they're, they're over there. They're doing design work. They're doing this. All the while, I didn't realize that what I was doing is very essential to engineering because once you draw it on paper, you have to build it. And once you build it, you have to inspect it, not only to say that it's up to quality standards, but over the lifetime of that thing, that's why they keep calling the inspectors back because for insurance purposes, they have to say, what we built here is legitimate and it's worth the money that say a federal government's going to give us or like when we write our taxes, it's like, here's what we've done to ensure that we're not just dumping money out. And I, I didn't get to see that until after the fact. And I really didn't get out of that mindset for me until I talked to a friend of mine that was also going to the same school that I was going to. And um, like we had a similar background. I'm from Cameroon, um, originally born in uh, West Central Africa. It's like east of Nigeria. And he's from Burkina Faso. So it's like West Africa, a little bit further from me. But like, got you. So you're familiar with it. Actually, I just remember that because that was, I don't know, I I just remember that from geography class. And I was like, got you. Uh, it's pretty funny that's a pretty fun name to say yeah but it's like just like for me like he helped me kind of get out of that mind state and he told me that like since we were in the same position we're going to the same school for the same degree and he was like dude like um i use motivation and i was like what's motivation he's like you go on youtube and you just type in motivation like those videos and those people that they put together it just helps me kind of like get the energy to get out here because it's like one you're a foreigner so people are already looking at you like what the heck are you doing here two like people kind of mistrust you or they like they kind of feel inferior to you because they're like oh so you got a degree what you don't think I'm good enough because I didn't get a degree and I'm like no I didn't say that I'm just here to learn like if we got to pick up a grinder and clean off boiler tubes like I'll do that like we had to teach temp workers how to use a grinder because they've never used it before but at one point on a certain job, it was just taking way too long to teach them how to do it, where it was like, okay, you go here, you go here, you go here. And like, we just start knocking down areas where it's like, there's 60 tubes that you've got to do across. You got like four or six flights of stairs in like a 120 foot big box boiler, which is just like a big oven that generates power for a power plant. And we just kind of, we just got up and, and we got it like that. That's what you did. You just work hard. You didn't think about it, but it really gets discouraging when the people around you in your circle, they're always talking down to you. They act like you don't have any sense. And I'm just like, okay, that that's not what it is. And um, so that that's kind of what I was asking you before. Like, is there one thing or like one person that like hits you in a way to where you were like, Oh, okay. Like I don't have to think this way. Like there's another option out there. Hmm. In terms of my, uh, I think for, for a while it was just being in, I mean, I think it was all, a lot of, a lot of it was like, I know everyone had their Eric Thomas moment for me. It was like when I was up in, uh, up in New York back at the uh, prototype training and the, the third phase I was telling you about. And I just, like, I wanted, I just wanted more. Like, I, I didn't want to just continually just come into work. Yeah. A lot, a lot of us, especially in the military, tend to do is just, you know, come into work, you know, do the maintenance, 
stay in the watch, complain the whole time, work finishes, and we go home, we, like, play, you know, Apex or Fortnite or, like, watch Netflix or a, a movie, yeah. and then we eat and we go to bed, and it's kind of, like, the same. Like, I didn't want to have an existence where I kind of, where I just... You just floating. Where I wasn't enthusiastic about life. That's... Yeah. The, the, that I absolutely feared. Like I didn't. I want to just go through life about it because you're not serve. You're not serving anyone by that. Like I was going to be grow up to be absolutely miserable. And so mm-hmm. uh, I think a big thing for me was just getting involved, more so involved with personal development and like reading books. Like, I've, I've read a few different books, but and I could go on a, on a rant about it. <laughs> Like I just, just, just the the, the abridged version of, of the rant, the the mini rant was just like. Like actually applying what you read in, in books rather than just reading. Because a lot of times people just say, "Oh, they brag about, oh, I've read this book." Oh, you know, yes. Yeah. Book where I'm like, like how many of the, how much of the information have you actually applied to your life? Because I, I right, know, like, right. in terms of like, because I have like right here, I have like a whole lot of books. Like, you know, I'll, let's say I have a hundred units of information. Like, mm-hmm. I've read forty units of information, and I've maybe applied ten. Being very generous, a lot of times like people want to buy a new book or think about or yeah this new plan or whatever like like take the time to just apply this stuff like off the top of your head there's things that you know that you should be doing that you don't right. do right. with that. then we can move on to different books obviously that's that's yeah. one that i want uh, to just touch on real quick which is gotcha. actually find the information that, that you know from books so yeah the uh just it wasn't really one specific thing or like yeah. that you know Eric Thomas and, you know, Breathe University being uh, around, exposed more people who had the mindset of actually improving right. my life was a, was a very big factor because a lot of times we can read books, but those like, you know, books aren't really like, you know, they say books are alive, but like yeah. a book is going to be your accountability partner. So like, right, so right, being right. In the where it's actually, it's actually, uh, so like a sure book is kind of, sorry, go ahead. All right. Am I, am I good now? Yeah, yeah, you're good. All right. So I'm sure you've heard of like just naturally we humans copy those around us. It's like a thing that we do, which is a survival instinct. And the reason why is because, you know, back in the day where we had to worry about different predators, it mm-hmm. was more of a, like, if you, if you stick out, you're more likely to be picked off by a predator. So like, right, right. Habit, human beings, we tend to act like those around us. Now that can be, that can work negatively or positively. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's positive if there's, you know, a tiger, you know, prowling around, but it's yeah. negative if I'm around people who are complaining consistently mm-hmm. all the time because I slowly become like them. So being in an environment like, like Breed University or having friends that are oriented to, towards personal development, that mm-hmm. puts me in the company of those who want to become more. So naturally, if I'm around them, if I'm around them, mm-hmm. then I'm going to be want to improve improve myself because in that environment improving yourself is, is, is the norm there's no question why you're doing it it's expected of you whereas in mm. you know, the 99 percent of the world people are just being victims complaining about life not really doing anything not really making any moves right that's an environment where trying to improve yourself is kind of like well, what are you doing like that's that's weird why would you waste your time and so yeah a big factor is yeah, being around spending more time around people who are who are trying to be become more like because if you spend more time around them then that's you're going to act more like and then if you act more like them then that's how you improve your life mm. absolutely that's a great point and like you said the the biggest thing for you was not like even if you decided to start reading books you decided that i need to apply what i'm reading and like I heard about, I think I just got on the chameleon call for the first time this year, and I think it maybe started last year, but the thing that really drew me to it was um, them going through a book, 
like chapter by chapter and like actually studying it out. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. And I, I ended up getting the book, which was Boundaries at the time. And I was like, yeah, I identify with that where it's that I either let people run roughshod over me or I just don't feel like I respect myself enough to where somebody asks for something. I'm like, I'm jumped to it. And then later I feel this resentment against that person. I'm like, why did I let it, let them do that? And like somebody that cares about me be like, why do you keep repeating this process over and over again? Like you don't need to let someone just treat you and say whatever to you. Like you have rights yourself. Like even me, they're like, hey, don't even let it come from me. Like, I've got things that I personally want, but if it's not a value to you, like, don't do that. And like, it would go in one ear and out the other, like go in one ear and out the other. And then finally, I'm just like, okay, like, stop. Like, I've gone, I've gone to conferences. And like, the most recent one I went to was verified in August. And from going there, like I went with the intention of like, okay, I need to change my mind state. Like I've been in this mode where like the quote unquote depression has like become a thing like I know it's real and like mental health is very important but if you get stuck like if somebody tells you that you're sick and you just like you just agree to it you're like oh yeah I'm sick oh yeah I'm sick and like you don't do anything to get better or get unsick like you're gonna stay there for possibly forever and that's not really of any help to you and I think a lot of times people get a misconception of like oh, I'm going to go talk to a shrink or I'm going to go talk to a therapist. I'm going to go talk to this. Like we kind of have this arrogance of like, what's this person going to tell me about me that I don't already know? Because it's like in, in your mind or in my mind, I'm kind of sitting here concocting like, oh, I could fix this. I could fix that. But like you mentioned again, like a book will only give you so much information. It's not dynamic it's like dynamic in the message that it gives you but it's not gonna like look over your shoulder and be like oh, okay like you said you were gonna read me today did you read me like oh you said you were gonna apply this did you apply that and um when you brought up the part about having an accountability partner someone that actually like checks you and say okay like what is it that you want for your life and it's like if you don't know why don't you know and not just somebody to constantly be critiquing you but someone to also encourage you when you're kind of down and to have that the balance where it's like i challenge you but also i encourage you like those are very powerful things that really drive to what you you came up with wanting to make like purpose meaningful in um in the military in the navy to where other people can kind of walk with their heads up. And I've seen people like um, David Goggins and like other people where it's like, you got to like initially, like usually I would, yeah, (laughs) a lot of people might be turned off initially from like the language, but like one thing that I identify with whenever I listen to people, whether it's music or like interview like this, or just whenever people speak, I really try to understand like what they are at heart. And I really identify with them because, oh, am I, did the audio go? Crap. I can't hear you for some reason. There, okay, there you go. Uh, I got you. Got you. Where did I cut out? You just, just you said uh, a lot of times people might get turned off by the language, but like you just yeah. focus what the message is and right right and i I mean with with uh david goggins for instance like his message has just been kind of like you really have to deal with yourself like you really have to like there's things that like somebody else can't necessarily do for you and there's like there's a struggle that you have to deal with yourself and i think he's maybe like an extreme version of it where he said okay i'm gonna become 
like the baddest man on the planet, but more so it started internally with him. It's like, I'm going to be like the baddest me I can be. Like, I'm going to be the best version of myself. And every time that my body wants to say quit, I'm going to say no. And um, I, yeah, I'll just, I'll just stay on this point because I could go on different tangents and like people like to uh, be contrarians or this or that, but whoever wants to be contrarian, I'll talk with them whenever that conversation comes up. But um, I just think it, it's really important to really challenge yourself and to just give yourself a reason for doing what you do. And one thing I can say is like, I'm sure I'm not getting any checks from Breathe University, but I guess if anything, I'm getting emotional checks and I'm getting like, um, it just helps me personally. But I guess there'll be, we'll be on the call here in two hours. But the the main thing that I've gained from just seeing my environment differently from um, actually a- applying the information, like from the time that I saw ET in 2013 to graduating by the end of the year and going to work in 2014, I started to not only ingest the information, but applying it like maybe 20% of the time or 10% of the time, like you said. And the main things that kind of changed were okay, I need to evaluate the people in my life, like really like who's adding to me and who's taking away and like who am I adding to and who am I taking away from? And I kind of had to make that separation. And then back to the work issue is like, my job isn't working out. It's like, it's good. I have a job, but I know like I didn't see 100% the value in it, but at the same time, I saw the value in myself and I was like, I know what I'm worth, or I know at least that I'm worth better than where I'm at now. So at the end of it, I was like, I've done this job for three semesters. This is my last semester and I need to be gone at the end of the year. I can't come back here full time. Like multiple people have already told me don't come back here because this is a dead end. And I was like, let me not be stupid and let me actually listen to them. And then the last thing was that in getting ready to graduate, I I was like, aside from having this job, I've tried looking for other jobs, but I've just been unsafe successful and I know somebody that was a close friend and um, like that's the first person that I met when I got to the campus and every semester I would see her working for like a different company and it would always be the company she's like oh okay I want to go to work with this company next thing I know she's working with that company it's like how'd it go eh it's all right like what are you gonna do next semester I'll try something different so I just went and I was like how did you do that and she gave me the information because I asked the question she was like oh okay like well, whenever you do an interview, here's questions they might ask you. Here's why they're asking you those questions. And here are the responses that you're looking for or that they're looking for. Like, study this and you'll be good to go. And it's like, okay. So I noticed you have a pretty cool resume. Like, do you mind if I use yours as a template? Sure. And it's like, okay. Hey, make sure you work on your LinkedIn profile. Just jump on mine and see what matches and use that. Like, try to use similar language, similar verbiage. And I was like, oh, okay, like now I get it. And something that maybe triggered me specifically was the uh, Be Obsessed with Improvement video. I think he did that one in Australia and I just watched that and it just like, it just like came over me like, oh my God. Like I was just like, every video of his that you watch, his videos that you watch is like, you always feel like you want to run through a wall, but like every time I'll go back to it and I'll go back to it and I'll go back to it. But what really made a difference for applying stuff or changing my mindset was a video where he talked about having a crossover. And initially, as soon as he mentioned that reading was his crossover, I was ready to turn the video off. I was like, uh, like I've been hearing this all my life. Like dad's always saying readers are leaders. You got to read, you got to read, you got to read. And I was like, I'm reading textbooks 
every single day. Like I go home, I've got to read the textbook. Over the summer, I can't go out and play. I've got to read the textbook. It's like I'm getting made fun of for just being a nerd, but I'm not a good nerd. Like I'm not, like I'm struggling to be smart, but it doesn't feel like I'm that smart. But the first book that he mentioned was like, Who Moved My Cheese? And he's talked about it being specific to helping your mindset. And I was like, okay, it's a strange enough title. I never heard of it before, but let me try and read it. And he said it can help my mindset. Like I was willing to give it a shot just because somebody not only told me to read, but they gave me a specific reason to read and an outcome that I would gain from it. So I was like, those are guidelines I can kind of run with. And as soon as I read that, I was like, okay, like I, I like that. And then he had like three or four other books and I was just like, okay, I read that one or listened to that one. And that I listened to the next one and I listened to the next one. And like, I just got so excited. I was going hard, like and doing everything. But then I kind of got <laughs> tapped out a little bit because I needed to apply. And every single book that I started to read was like, apply, 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 apply. So I was like, okay, I got to pump the brakes and like go back to step one and like level up slowly. But that was my mini long rant. <laughs> That's, uh, I definitely agree with you. Well, because if you if you look, was it to know and not do is really to not know. So yeah. like if you know and you don't do, there's there's no way of like, like you're you're going to achieve the person who knows and doesn't do is going to achieve the same results as someone who doesn't know in the first place. Yeah. So yeah. Like, it, it doesn't matter like if you if you, if you knew it, did you act on it? Did you? Right. You, if, if someone. You know, someone had the idea, you know, I think we heard on the, you know, the podcast or the Seeds of Success podcast that CJ said, like, he had the idea for, like, Uber or something like that. I think that was one of the jokes that he made on the, like, he, he had the idea for Uber before Uber, but did he, you know, did he, like, want to actually act on it? No, he didn't want to act on it. So someone else also had the idea and took the act on it. So, like, yeah. if you know and you actually apply, you're going to see some you're going to see some real results rather than just saying, oh, yeah, I knew that or I knew like, okay, Right, like, right. And this is a prime example of that because I, like I was trying to say earlier, I, I probably got off on a tangent, but being in Breathe University since 2016, that's three years now. I think I joined September or October of 2016. And like I liked the information that I was getting, but specifically this year, I went to the Verify conference to kind of get out of my funky mind state. And when they ask you to like write down, I think he asked like, write down what it is that you want to get done. Like what's something that's a dream or a goal of yours? And I was like, um, I want to start a business. Like I want to be able to create something that I'm able to generate money for myself. And as crazy as that idea may seem, because I've just been used to, you go to school, get a job, make sure that you get a good paying job so that you're taken care of. That was the mindset. But like the more I'm around people that are entrepreneurial like and are applying, creating businesses and things like that, I was like, it may be hard, but I've got to do it. And it's like, I wrote it down August 7th of 2019 and I kind of like put it away and hit it. But then that idea, since it was written down, like it just kept festering. And then as I made the step to like record, like got scared of it, like came back and it's like, I kept starting and stopping, but slowly inching towards this to where finally I was like, just stop, like stop trying to play it safe. Like just go buck wild, like ask people if they want to record. And if they say no, they say no. But at least I talked to the first, my first um, recording and I was just talking with my friend Theo, like we met on the, the uh, men's prayer line and we just talked regularly. So we already had kind of like a rapport built up and it was like, oh, okay, you want to do podcasts? I'm doing a podcast too. And I saw some of his stuff and I was like, oh, 
it looks like you've been doing it for a minute. He's like, yeah, I started last year. We just kind of repping back and forth, but like having that accountability or people that you can bounce things off of and actually deciding to say, okay, now I'm going to step out whether I know what I'm doing or not is like, that w- that's been huge for me. And that's what brought us to today. Oh, that's, that's been a giant theme throughout my life. Like I've overcomplicated every single thing you can possibly imagine and everything from, you know, uh, asking questions in class to overthinking, uh, to overthinking, uh, like talking to women. Like this, I remember, I'm perfect, perfect, perfect example. I was taking this, was taking this class, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a woman who I like saw frequently there, and I was just like, man, like I don't, I don't know, like I don't know if I, what kind of approach I should use. I don't know if yeah. I should approach. I don't. I want to seem weird. I don't want to seem creepy. Right, like, right. The conversation, and I ended up asking her out to dinner, mm-hmm. and she said no. However, mm-hmm. comma, yeah. However, comma, like I did not regret asking her out. I did not regret that at all in the least because if I didn't, and like you know, we ended up like both leaving town or something. I would have like, man, what would happened if I would have? Yeah, I wish I would have done that. Yeah, I would have. I would have. I would have. That would have. I would have been in the back of my head like for the for the longest. I was like, man, right. I don't know what you thought. Like, I'm much like in terms of in terms of stress. I'm far more stressed from the opportunities that I never acted on mm. than from the things that I act on and fail. Because if I act on and fail, I'm like, all right, well, all right, well, you know, I take yeah. that loss, I'll move on from that. But if I don't know, it's just like the what ifs, that's that's what, what really kills you. So that's a that's a big driving force for me because I don't want it to have a whole bunch of what ifs because I, right. I already have plenty of it. I already have yeah. plenty of what ifs because of how, um, because of how, you know, because of the, you know, the low driving score or whatever. Because of yeah, how, well, I mean, even the nature of your work, like, everything has to be case by case if this happens what if this happens what if, but it's like you have procedures to follow with it oh, oh yeah absolutely we can we one one thing i was i was looking at is reading this book and he just the author described about how like if you if you're constantly worrying about a certain situation and taking a certain risk okay like just throw up the absolute worst possible scenario yeah. that could go wrong from the situation. It's like, okay, could you survive that? Could you figure out a way back from that? Like, yeah, yeah I could. I could figure out a way. Like, all right, well then, go yeah. ahead and do it. Like, right, right. The possible scenario, it's it's once it's not going to happen. But even if it does, you already have a way back from it. So anything mm-hmm. that could possibly happen between there is just okay. You can absolutely go ahead and do it. And so right. But the thing is, this this society, like with the news and with yeah. social media, we're just conditioned to be afraid because it's yeah. we're just slowly conditioned over time to just be more and more passive about life. Because when we're passive about life, then we're just going to continually pay for like entertainment and other stuff that helps us to escape because you don't want to actually deal with real life. And so, right, if you're willing to take more risk, yeah, you're going to take some, yeah, you're going to take some losses, you're going to take some embarrassment, but over time, there's you're you're going to have some some successes and moreover you're going to have uh, things that both you and other people can learn from through those experiences and that's that's kind of what our our duty is our duty is to not just sit back and just but actively search for ways to improve because when we improve ourselves then and we can help improve others so like let's let's take an example all right so let's say i there was some challenge that i was afraid to do yeah um you know, I give up on it. Like three years, I give up on that challenge. Three years later, mm-hmm. a friend of mine comes up with, with, with that same challenge in, in his life, right? Yeah. 
I am now unable to help him. A friend of mine has an issue mm-hmm. with this challenge, but because I chickened out three years earlier, yeah. I, I can't help him. And so now he has to go through more pain and more suffering because I was afraid of this. So mm-hmm. instead we take the approach, like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take this challenge. I'm going to go ahead and, and take this challenge later on, yeah. like I said, with all me feeling the, feeling the oral board on the other side of it. Now I know what it took. Now I know how, how to get through it. Now I know how to perform that process. Now yeah. I can help make the road easier for other people. Whereas if I chickened out or if I wasn't sure and I didn't act on it, I am powerless to help anyone. If you, if you have an opportunity and you don't act on it, you learn nothing. Nothing, right. learn zero things not acting on that opportunity if you act on it sure you might fail you might fail absolutely miserably but you will still learn something there's something that you can pull away from that situation to either try again or as a uh, caution you can give this to the next person it's like okay you know i, I failed on this because i messed up this part so watch yeah. out for it here. And that's right that's what, that's, what, that's what we do like we're on for uh you know back in college like taking exams like if like one class took the exam first hey well, what should i look out it's like oh yeah. you know make sure to watch out for this question or make sure you study the, the, this right table. right it's it's a thing that we can do. If you go for a challenge, you can help others from your experience in that. In the, gotcha. In That's a great point. I'm I'm glad you said that. And um, it's funny that I'm glad that we were able to start how we started and get here towards the end. And just like the way you just put that there, I think it's powerful. And before we even spoke, like I just knew you for the chameleon color. I didn't know that you were in the Navy or that you worked in nuclear power. And I was like, wow you explained it probably much better than I could have explained it and just kind of giving the reality of it where I may just talk about, oh, I'm having to do this thing so that they can get in here and they, they do whatever they need to do. And you actually being on the operational side, you say like, okay, like here's the importance of what's going on, but like let's step away from the abstract, I guess as you would say, or something that's like the nitty gritty and let's just talk on like the bare, the bare bones of things. Like what's really the purpose here? The purpose is talking about you, the individual, and like what really matters to you. And um, yeah, like once you understand what matters to you and you take chances on yourself and you step through life and you say, okay, I'm going to do this regardless of whether it works or not. Like when I do something, I'm going to get like some feedback. And then from that feedback, I'm going to make another decision. And yeah, it's, I think Eve may have said it or somebody may have said it that success however you define it is going from one failure to another failure without losing intensity. And I just been reading Ogmandino, um, the greatest salesman and I think it's the greatest salesman in the world. And he talks about with the very first scroll that's in the book, it says that success is defined many ways by different people, but failure is always defined one way that failure is man's inability to do exactly what he says he's going to do like being able to realize what you want to realize like most like you ask anybody that's a quote-unquote failure that you didn't do what you said or you didn't do what you wanted to do so in order to avoid that you can do many things and even when you do something in an attempt to achieve what you want you're doing something whether it works or not it's not a failure it's just like you taking the action is more important than you just saying well i could have or i would or hey i would have built uber like i i knew that that's that, that's actually huge like i'll think about that like people we um 
you always hear people say like, oh, like, oh, if I cared enough, I could get in, you know, crazy good shape or I could start that. Like people love talking about how easy they could have done something or they could be right. because talking is a lot easier than actually breaking right. and actually doing it. And if you want to accomplish anything, you have to be willing to deal with that failure. Like it's something that they talk about is a, uh, I'm not thinking about today. I'm actually currently writing a, I'm starting blogging again. I'm writing a, a blog post currently and that I did before and I'm still doing now is that a lot of times when you have when you're faced with a, a blank page, mm-hmm. a lot of people can be intimidated by that. I mean, that's a famous thing, the blank page. I hate staring at it. It's like, all right, because why? Yeah. Because there's, there's nothing there yet. You don't, you have nothing to work from. So. Right. Right. And I, I long ago, except for the fact that I'm never going to do it perfect on the, on the first try. So the yeah. very first thing I do when I'm writing a post, I just vomit like all the ideas that I want to get out in that post. I'd like write this, like start typing this paragraph. I might stop in the middle of a, of a paragraph or a sentence, go on to the next idea. And then, okay, then my next time through, maybe the next day or something like that. I'm like, okay, and I can build off this idea. And then, then I get a rough skeleton and then I slowly like fill in the gas and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden I have a post. So it's like, not, I didn't do it perfectly the first time, but just several steps and going through it failure, I guess failure after failure because I didn't have the post done. Yeah. I slowly built up the, the, that post that I want. That's, that's, that's true for anything. You're not going to get it. Well, trust me, I have tried. I have actually <laughs> tried to get things perfect on the first shot. Is, yeah. Is, is it theoretically possible? Yes. Is it going to happen? No. Like it's, yeah. It, should not act. You should not conduct your life under the assumption that you will do things perfectly. Because like someone's, there's always someone that's going to say, "Oh, well, like you know, this person did it perfectly." It's like, okay, good for them. Like, like, yeah. Like if you you wouldn't take if, like it's like like you know the one in a thousand that yeah. that person is able to do. It. Like if I told you that, hey, I mean, no, I I want you to go on this you know r- r- roller coaster, and there's a one in a thousand chance that you'll survive. You would, yeah. Say, Roller coaster, you would not go in there. Like, no, it's that's terrible. <laughs> thing. I would never go on the roller coaster if I only have one in a thousand chances of surviving. Like, that's it's that, that exact same percentage. Yeah, the one thousand person that achieves it on the first try, you should not go for that route. You should not go for that methodology. You should instead do what the other, you know, 99.9% of people do. It's right. try, fail. Okay, what can I do better? Try, fail. Okay, what can I do better? And then eventually you actually make it. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And well, uh, you have a good night or good morning, I guess, since you're on the night shift. <laughs> Rest up. Right.